Welcome listeners to the Lust for Life podcast. This is your host, Tennessee Reed. Today, we have a very special guest on our show, Kelsey. She is a mama, a wife, and she's a nurse. Her and I worked together in the emergency department. We became really close right before I moved across the country. And we are so excited for you to be here. Kelsey, would you like to introduce yourself? Oh my gosh, yes. My name is Kelsey. And like Tennessee said, her and I um, grew a relationship together while we were working. And I am so excited to be here. Thank you for having me. Um, It's interesting though, because you and I worked together and we liked each other and we were friends, but I feel like our relationship really came together when you were moving, which was crazy. (laughs) It's interesting how different like phases of life just bring you together with different people. Um, a topic that Kelsey and I really have just bounced around as we stayed in touch really closely together is we have not worked together anymore was just different relationships in your life and how different relationships play different roles. We specifically touched base multiple times about how our spouses are there to support us, to love us, but there's only so many shoes they can fill. And with those shoes that aren't filled, we need to be proactive ourselves to be finding those friends to fill those shoes and to give us that love that we need and fill up our love cups. And our spouses can't do all of that and vice versa. I feel like sometimes I feel like I am so overwhelmed because I'm trying to fill all these shoes, but I should not have that expectation on myself. Do you have any examples, like specific examples, Kelsey, of when you've maybe felt overwhelmed or when you've realized that you're trying to fill these shoes, but just can't, or you're, you're, you may be forcing someone to fill those shoes. So to give some context, my husband and I have been married for 15 years together for 17. And the first thing that I always like to remember when I'm looking at the trajectory of our relationship is, you know, we met when we were 19, we're not 19 anymore. And the versions of ourselves that showed up to our relationship when we're 19 no longer exist. Like, yes, fundamentally, there are components of he and I that are still the same. But for the most part, we're 15 years out, we're different humans, we've had different experiences. And when I do look back over my time with Richard, I can definitely see times in our dynamic where I really was so heavily reliant on him to fill my cup for me. I didn't, of course, realize this at the time because I don't think in partnerships we ever maliciously try to put that much pressure on our partner. But I think something that really resonated with me was, um, you know, our partner is definitely our partner and we choose them. But I think that we have like a pre-programmed expectation that our partner should be our lover and fulfill us sexually, fulfill us monetarily, fulfill us emotionally, spiritually, be there to connect with us, to help us with our problems. And I think that that is a really tall order for any one person. And I think where I found freedom in my dynamic with my husband was when I realized it wasn't his job to fill all of those roles. Like something that I kind of joked around with you about in passing. And even though it's something that I laugh about, I actually mean it. Like it, it makes my skin crawl when people say like, oh, I'm married to my best friend. I really don't love that. And I get what they mean when they say that. I really get it. But what I see them saying or what I hear them saying is that I've put all this stock in this one person to fulfill all my needs. And that is what their job is to do. And there's a good chance that the people that are saying this actually have really poor dynamics in their marriage because they have this expectation that a person really can't show up and deliver at a hundred percent. And that's something that you and I discuss a lot. Like you and I have such stimulating, fascinating, in-depth conversations. This is not the way that I talk to my husband, but that doesn't mean that my husband's communication style doesn't work for me. It's just very different. It's not as in-depth. I mean, I know there are a lot of men that can go this deep. He's not one of them. He doesn't want to go deep like this unless it's something really serious pertaining to our relationship, right? But you and I go deep almost every time we talk. And I love that about us. And you check that box for me. And that's okay that you check that box for me. However, you checking that box for me doesn't rob my relationship. It doesn't make me then question like, man, because Richard doesn't show up for me in the way Tennessee does, does that mean he's wrong for me? No. He delivers for me in all the ways that matter. And that's what I've decided is I've picked what areas of my life are really important for my partner to show up for me. 
And where can we honor each other's boundaries by giving and receiving in a way that works for both of us without having this tall, demanding order of doing it all? It resonates with me each time we talk about this because I'm like, yes, like that was like my love language right there. There's so many ways to, you need to fill that love cup of yours, but your spouse can't do all of it. Right. And one thing that you did say that I really, really liked was we have different versions of ourselves. Like when we do our vows for marriage, it's like you love each other till death, right? Like every phase of life that includes like beginning of marriage, middle of marriage, end of marriage. I am a completely different person than I was when I first got married, completely different. And I feel like Nothing robs a marriage more than saying, why can't we be like we were when we were dating? Like that hurts me inside when Jake has said that to me and that's nothing against him, but it really hurt me inside in ways that may not hurt other people. But that is like evidence that there are so many different phases of life and we have ups and downs and we just have to love each other through the ups and downs. As long as we're on a gradual way up, then we're okay and we're working together. And like you said, with filling different shoes, Kelsey has definitely filled my shoe of deep conversation, deep stimulating conversation. I think our husbands are similar in the aspect of very straightforward, very simple. He has gotten a lot better with having that deep conversation, but that's just not the way he's like, likes to have conversation and that's okay. And I think that's why we clicked so well the time we did We've Marco pulled each other so many times since we've moved is because we fill that cup for each other. And that is just one cup. We have multiple cups and multiple shoes that we need to feel fulfilled as a human being. We just have to identify that. We have to keep those close friends that fill those cups. And that's what you and I have done. Like you said at the beginning, we have kept in touch and we've put the time and energy. You have to put the time and energy in or that relationship's just going to like die away. It's just going to fly away and it's it's not going to stay. And that, that that's sad. Imagine what could have been from that relationships. I feel like I, I personally have lost a lot of relationships from just not keeping in touch. I think I deleted Instagram my freshman year of college. And that was one of my biggest like regrets because I missed like such big phases of my friends' lives. And I, I feel like I just dropped off the side of the earth and just disappeared. And I lost a lot of relationships that way. And it, it is a big regret of mine. I mean, kind of circling back to what you said about Jake's comment about like, I miss who we were when we were dating. Number one, I think it's okay to mourn that phase of your life because also that phase of your life is so magical because you don't live together. You don't share life responsibilities. You only get the best parts of each other at that time. And I think that's why it's so magical. But I, I think now this far deep into my marriage, I really, I look at the phases of my marriage is like literal different versions of marriage that have come and gone and collectively they make up my whole marriage. And I, the beautiful part about it is I think when we get married, especially in a dominant religious culture that we have here in Utah, we are kind of given this image of marriage that you're going to find the perfect guy. He's going to choose you. You're going to say, I do. And then you're in it for time and all eternity. But I think something, a really huge component that we miss in that is after you make the choice, you get to choose again and again and again, and you get to choose different versions of each other. And whether it looks happy, whether it looks sad, whether it looks angry, every day is a different choice. And I think what has been so eye-opening to me is I choose Richard today when we're 35 years old, but like, honestly, I don't want 22 year old Richard back. 22 year old Richard was difficult. <laughs> and, but at that time I chose him, right? Because he was still worth it. And I wanted to ride that out with him and 22 year old Richard and the difficulties we faced got me to 35 year old Richard into a much happier space in this place where we still get to choose. We don't just fall into this place of complacency of well, we said I do. So time until all eternity it is like no that's actually not fair that puts us really into a place where we do just settle and we get complacent and we rob each other of the opportunity to grow and shift and change and become better and then to your point about investing in relationships like you said like 
I, as much as I invest my marriage, like I, I'm pretty social and I like people as a general rule, but I keep my intimate friends small because I really do like to take the time to invest in the people that I can add to their life and they can add to mine. And you're one of those people for me. And so, like you said, we spend a lot of time on Marco Polo. You live two hours ahead of me. We are not on the same time frame. Like, so we communicate by Marco Polo. And I talk with you more than I do some of my friends that live in my neighborhood, right? And that there's value in that because it's important, number one, to give each other permission to be adults and to have your lives. This isn't high school. Like, it's not like, oh my gosh, Tennessee didn't call me back on a Friday night. Like, no, like you're just going to get back to me when you can. And I'm here when you can, and I'll get back to you when I can. And you're there when I can. And that's the beautiful part about having adult dynamics and relationships is you get to be intentional about that. And if it works, there is not animosity or expectations that you're holding each other hostage over. You just give because you can, and because you want to. And however, like you said, there's got to be that boundary there of, you know, like, you can give, but like, also you've got to look at what you're getting in return. There's got to be this happy relationship where you're both willing and you're both choosing in. Right. I love how you said we're choosing each other every single day. You're saying yes, every single day. And it's a full commitment and nothing is more beautiful when you do fully commit and you're fully embracing each other and your insecurities and the goods and the bads, just life. It's just so beautiful. There's like nothing to describe it. You just support each other and love each other for everything. And it kind of ties into filling each other's shoes like you talked about. Um, We have put time and effort into building our relationship and I would trade nothing for that. I do, however, think that there are like bad shoes and bad cups that we don't want filled. it's the negative people, the people who want to pull you down, who are jealous or have a negative spirit to them. There's a lot of those around us that we don't want penetrating our spirits. And that's hard to do. It's really hard to kind of put up your shield. I call it my, is it Violet from Incredibles shield? (laughs) Her little shield. Because you really can't have that negative energy penetrating you because your subconscious just sucks everything in. It just sucks it right in and it will just sprout in your soul, even if you don't, you don't even know it. Um, Have you experienced this at all? And have you had any, I guess you could say coping mechanisms or defense mechanisms against these? Absolutely. I mean, I, I definitely have been in environments that didn't feel good for me. And I have had experiences where I was able to show up and still stay true to who I am and still be the best version of myself in those places. And I've also had times and opportunities where I did not, and I was in a state of reaction or in a state of stress and they brought out the worst versions of me. And this is something that I think a lot about in emergency nursing is we see so much day to day that something that is our superpowers, we compartmentalize so well. Like if we took the time to feel everything we experience, we would literally die. <laughs> and to not do that, you get good at really putting people and their experiences in a box so that you don't carry it with you into the next patient's room. You know, we might watch a baby die in one room and wrap an ankle in the next, and you would never know the difference. And I think in different settings. Um, I definitely have had experiences where I've been around people that have really hurt my spirit and really hurt my energy. And even though there have been times where I've showed up in a state of reaction and become defensive or upset about that, I think what I've learned very much about myself on the back end is that that's never about me. Like, can I take accountability of who I bring to the party? Absolutely. And I'm not trying to deflect by saying it's not about me by saying there's no accountability. There always gets to be accountability by the part that you share. However, when people are toxic and putting you in a position where that's the only kind of energy you're receiving from them, that isn't about us. Like that is about the place where they are at. And that has nothing to do with us. And I think in those moments, what I've learned most is our only job is to love. Like our, it's not about us. And so our job is to show up and be a form of love in spite of what they're giving. And that is how you set healthy boundaries. Also, like 
you might be screaming at me in the face and I don't have to meet you there. And that's the beautiful part, but I think it's human nature to want to meet people where they're at. But I, what I've learned is by setting a healthy boundary, you don't have to tolerate it. You don't have to stand for it, but you can definitely say, Hey, I hear what you're saying. And when you want to deliver that in a way that, you know, we can communicate where we're just talking and it's not so driven by emotion, then we can come back to it and then excuse yourself. I think that like part of protecting your own energy is also recognizing when it's time for you to get out and you can do so without being hostile because something that you and I have discussed a lot is that I think a lot of people think conversation means confrontation and they are not the same thing. I think hard discussions versus confrontational, really aggressive conversations are two different things. I have a very strong personality. I've had both. I've had hard conversations and I've had very assertive, direct, aggressive conversations. And I know which version of myself I bring during those times. And I like to be accountable to that. And when I notice that it's turning left and it's getting to a place of aggression, I like to address that. And I like to like bring it back a notch and just say, clearly, like, because we're getting passionate, this matters to us, but it's going in a place that doesn't make sense. So like, let's take some time and come back when we can discuss it. You know what I mean? But if it's somebody that you're not wildly invested in, and it's just somebody that's in your, you know, orbit that just is a negative person. For me, the best way to combat that is literally just to show up and like be the light that they cannot because I feel like when you show up and present yourself in a form of light and love, it doesn't really matter how other people are behaving. It almost, like you said, gives you that shield and protects you from taking on all their ick. Whereas like, if you are so, you know, encased in the energy and the negativity they're putting out, that's where you start to invite that energy and you inadvertently take it on. You kind of bring value to it. It's like, what are you choosing to bring value to? Are you bringing value to yourself and your energy? Or are you starting to look around and bring value to the negative energy? And once you start that, it starts to pull you in and starts to penetrate your little protective shield there of energy. It's not a secret that nursing burnout is huge, but where I see it begin, and I will say I've been there myself is the, and actually I equate this to marriage as well, since we're just discussing all kinds of relationships. Um, the quickest way to become burned out, unhappy, dissatisfied is to look at somebody and say, what are they not doing for me? Instead of saying, what could I do for them? My dad gave me like that marriage advice when I was first married is he said, as humans, we are literally equipped to love anybody. And the fastest way to love somebody is service. So even in a nursing environment, you could literally hate your coworker. You don't have to go to lunch with them. You don't have to invest in them outside of these 12 hours. But the quickest way to become burned out as a human and as a nurse is to watch them and watch everything they're not doing. And instead, that might be true. They might be the laziest person, but the quickest way to keep and keep your light intact and to deliver from a space of love is to shift that thought into what can I do for them? Like, of course, there's people that this is their pattern and this is how they operate. But sometimes it's okay to just give people the space to have an off moment. Like patterns and moments are so different. And if it's a pattern, that really sucks. Have an honest conversation. Let them know maybe how the way they show up affects you. And then they have an opportunity to either rise and shift. Maybe they didn't even know they were coming off that way. Um, or they don't and they continue that behavior and you realize, okay, then they can keep that over there and I can still show up and deliver and I can still be service oriented to them because it doesn't rob me of anything. You would hope that others, if you're going through something hard, that others would mm -hmm. do the same for you and give you grace because our, our actions are a direct reflection of our inside and what's going on inside. So if I'm not giving you love, then I'm not giving myself love. If I'm not being productive in my work, I'm not being productive with myself. It's literally a mirror. So giving that person grace is everything. Mm -hmm. And it's going to do you more than them by serving them. It's going to it's gonna save you so much energy. We'll just say that. Um, something that I really liked that I wanted to touch base on um, was you said, does this relationship matter to me? Like, I think it's... I think it's worthwhile to determine, is this conversation worth it for me? And if it is, then have it. 
then it's very important that you have it. If it's, if this relationship is important to me and we need to have this adult crucial conversation, then there is a way to have that very maturely and very non-confrontationally and very gracefully. I think that there's a lot of power in stepping back for one second, letting the reaction come in and leave. You don't have to like completely block it out, but come in your body and leave and then step into that conversation instead of completely focusing a conversation on reaction. That's a very scary conversation that will only go backwards. It will only go backwards. There's no productivity from it. And you've destroyed all trust and rapport with that person. So I feel like a crucial conversation can either propel your relationship or drastically put it in the back burner and continue to go backwards. And I, there is such a fine line between having a really productive conversation and making it not confrontational. I feel like that's a really hard skill to have. I'm definitely still working on it myself. I'm, I feel like I'm good at recognizing when a conversation needs to be had, but it, it's hard for me to figure out a graceful way of having it. I feel I'm good at having the conversation, but I don't want my words to penetrate them in the wrong way. But also you have to remember their reaction is not your responsibility. But it's just scary to think that their reaction could destroy your relationship. So I feel like there's a very fine line between that. A good way to tackle that, at least from my personal experience, for the most part, I've been historically known to be able to have hard conversations in an eloquent way. I can think of one very specific time where somebody that knew that they could communicate with me came to have a difficult conversation with me, and it was not probably the right time for me. And so I definitely met this person in a state of reaction. I didn't care for her delivery on it. And so I met her where I thought she was. And instead of thinking clearly and giving her reasonable thoughts or like productivity, I gave her reaction. And this, even though I wouldn't say we were necessarily friends, this was detrimental to our dynamic because it took us to a place that didn't even match the bottom line of what we were trying to discuss, right? And I think for me, what I needed to understand is I had this idea about myself that I was locked and loaded and ready to have these discussions at any time. And if somebody wanted to talk with me, they could. And so on the day that this person chose to talk with me, I, I was actually going through something very difficult. And when she met me with frustration, it set me off because of something I was already going through. And I wish instead of like coming to me already frustrated, she could have come to me and said, Hey, there's something I really want to discuss with you is now a good time. Like something that means something to me or something that's been bothering me. I think if you can kind of give a nice introduction to somebody and invite them to meet you in conversation, that's how you can tackle something hard because automatically it kind of puts the guards down and it's an open invitation of, okay, we may not like this. It might be uncomfortable, but I'm here and I'm asking because it matters to me and you matter to me. Instead, this person wanted to have a difficult conversation with me and she was already frustrated by the time she came to me, which the human egotistical part of me met her right there. And it destroyed our ability to even talk it through. And this has been a couple years and it's still something that I think about often because it was a version of myself that showed up that I was like, I did not know that that was a part of me. I did not know that I was capable of responding in that way. I don't like that. And even though like since we've been able to rectify and have more productive conversation, like you said, it doesn't go away. Like when I see her, that's what I think of. So I think it's important A, to invite somebody into that dynamic with you with your arms and the space open. And B, if you're on the receiving end and somebody is inviting you in, do a quick self-check and energy check, if you will, and ask yourself if you're really ready. Are you in the space to have a difficult conversation? And if you're not, say something like, it sounds like what you want to talk with me about really means something to you. And frankly, I'm not in that place right now. But if it matters to you, um, it matters to me. And so if we could, could we come back to this and like maybe set a time when you guys could get together to talk. So it feels less threatening because hard doesn't have to mean threatening, but I think so many times we assume that it is. 
you hit it right, right on the head there of opening your arms instead of slapping in the face, right? It's like you, when I, you're opening your arms to give a big hug instead of holding up your fist, ready to duke it out. There's a big difference there. And I think that if you don't have the conversation right away, that's okay. If you say, Hey, I really need to talk to you about something. You know, I love you. You know, I have your best interest. And this is not out of a place of harm. It's out of a place of, I want our relationship to grow. I trust that you can, that we can have this conversation because I know we already have such a great relationship or I want our relationship to be great. Therefore, I want to have this conversation with you. I think that is such a great way of addressing not confrontation, but crucial conversation. I think I discussed this in my last podcast, but Oprah, before each meeting, always talks about her intention for the meeting. What's her goal for this meeting? It keeps a kind of a light at the end of the tunnel, a direction of where we want to go. And I think that might be helpful with crucial conversations too, of what is the intention of this meeting so that you're not like diving off into different branches and just you stay focused. You have this one conversation. If you need to address other topics, you can, but you ultimately are staying focused on the goal because sometimes I feel like crucial conversations can be yeah, I hear you, but you also hurt me when you did this and this and this. And I feel like it can just like blow up into just like a roast fest. Yeah. It goes to a place that doesn't even make sense and is no longer about the neutral facts of what brought us here. Like it's now just, like you said, a punching match of, okay, well, yeah, I hurt you, but you also did this. Like, it's just, now we're just one-upping each other instead of actually stepping back and inviting this person to share with us something that might hurt and something that might feel difficult. And in those moments, we have a choice. We have a choice to punch back or we have a choice to take accountability. However, like you said, other people's feelings are not something that we have to be accountable for, but how we show up and how other people receive us, that is on us. And the way that this person received me was never the way I wanted her to receive me, but she did. And she shared with me what that was. And I was so ashamed of that, that I went into fine, that I'm just going to punch you back because I was like, that was never my intention. And for me, like one of my core, like things that really sets me off is being misunderstood because I know me and I know my heart and I know my intentions. And when people can't see that and they rob me of an opportunity to share that, it literally devastates me to my core. Like that is like, I think my one like trigger, you know what I mean? Is when somebody shows up and says, this is what you are and this is what you're about. And I'm like, holy crap, no, I'm not. However, as hard as it is, I still have to be accountable and I still have to hear what they're saying. And I still have to dissect it and decide, are there true parts to this? And can I do it differently? And can I do it better? You don't want to believe other people are gossiping about you if it's false, but also there might be a little truth to it of, okay, let's dissect this. Maybe there really is something that I could work on. Maybe there really is a little snippet that's blown up out of proportion that I could really work on. That was something I read in my book the other day was take advantage of every opportunity because there is always something to be learning from that opportunity. Either People are exposing your insecurities and we can now work on that. Thank you very much. They did the work for us and they pointed it out for us. That's great. There's in a bad situation, we can learn what not to do. In a good situation, we can learn what to continue to do. So I really like that you said that. I feel like that's a really deep level of thought. It's It hurts when people rob you of your own identity and start to spread rumors about you when they don't even know you. It's hard when people are committed to misunderstanding us. However, we don't get to tell people how to manage their experiences with us. And for this one girl, even though I don't believe her experience of me is who I wanted to show up as, she was telling me this is what I was for her. And even though it wasn't true for me, it was true for her. And and I don't get to be like, no, you don't, you don't get to feel that way. I do get to hear it out and decide, is it true for me? Is there truth to this? And if there is, can I show up and deliver it differently? But because of the way her and I met each other, 
we didn't get there. Like we just threw punches and we came up here instead of just leveling out and having a productive conversation. And like I said, that is difficult because now the memory of that interaction is just about the negative space that it got to when at the core of it, if you remove all the mechanics and the emotion, the bottom line, the neutral information, it was not that serious. It, it was something that could have been worked out so quickly because it was ultimately like just a misinterpretation of our experiences of each other. It's devastating when so many relationships are ruined by just that. Something really, really small and put in a bad situation and reacted badly that completely ruins relationships in the future. And it happens on all different levels, all different levels. I saw this like parable or story, I guess you could say, of a father giving his daughter an old car. And the father said, I want you to go to the local pawn shop and see how much they're going to quote you for the price of this car. And they like quoted it for like a couple thousand dollars. She went to like a local dealership. They quoted a couple thousand more. And then he told her, go take it to this really fancy, nice, well-known dealership and let me know what they say about the car. So she takes it to this really well-known established dealership and they were willing to pay hundreds of thousands of dollars for this antique car. So really what this story is telling us is you are so valuable and you can't let your environment determine your own value. You have to know your value and you have to put yourself in environments that are going to just reflect that value. It's hard when you're in like a work position or someone is telling you that you're not valuable. Just like we talked about, someone is robbing you of your identity at work and spreading rumors or not letting you prove yourself to others. People who are meant to be at your table will stay at your table. They will recognize your spirit. People who are not able to recognize a spirit and go base their opinion opinion purely on someone else's judgment of you, don't, you don't even want them at your table. So you, they kind of do them a service for you and just kind of eliminate them anyway, because people who are meant to be at your table will stay at your table because they they recognize you and they want to be with you because they they can feel your spirit. They can feel your energy. It's palpable. Don't let people determine your worth. Your worth is unmatched and people who are meant to be in your life are going to be in your life and you just have to keep them close. Absolutely. And in the words of the great Taylor Swift, she had a quote recently where she said, trash eventually takes its, itself out. And that's a that's like more derogatory than I wouldn't like just be out here calling people trash because Something that I do love about myself is I am able to compartmentalize experiences with people from people themselves. I can pretty inherently read a person on a spiritual plane and decide what what their intentions are in spite of the version of themselves that they're giving me. And so even with this girl that I had the argument with, like I was very good at putting the argument in this box over here and still observing her from the lens of, but this is who she is fundamentally. And so I still want to support her and who she is and not hold her hostage over this bad experience, bad experience we had. Right. And that's just, it is why did it have to be bad? Like, why do we as humans get so caught up on good and bad? Like we have this pre-programmed information instilled in us that certain things are good, certain things are bad, when in reality, everything is just neutral. And it's up to us to design to assign good and bad. And this experience just was an experience. I don't like the way that it went. But I decided relatively quickly to start trying to view her in a more neutral lens instead of viewing her through the bad lens, because we had an experience that I didn't love, right. But like, I, I think, like you said, people like energies attract like energies. And I think that's why you and I are attracted to each other in that way. Even though you are significantly younger than me, your life looks wildly different than mine, but you and I have common ground because on a spiritual fundamental level, we see value in each other and we're both connected in that way. And there is opportunity and so much loveliness in letting down your like fixed beliefs and your pre- you know, conceived notions about people and really just feeling them and deciding if like 
they could be at your table because you know, there, there are people at your table who are significantly older than you, like 20, 30 years have different lives and you have connected with them in those ways because you can find common ground and you guys can lift each other up and celebrate each, each other and know that by being happy for each other and choosing to lift each other up, it doesn't take anything away from you. And that's like the best part is like, I think a lot, we decide who we want to interact with just based on looking at them. But what if we closed our eyes and felt who they were instead, because you might surprise yourself who shows up at your table. You might be, it might be somebody you didn't even expect. I never expected that one of my closest friends would be called. What are you? 14 years younger than me. <laughs> yeah. And it's, it's not because I'm immature or because you're super mature. It's because you and I have allowed each other to show up as who we are and we celebrate that. And I think that that is so rare and so special. And I think we miss the chance to do that with so many people because we just look at them through an egotistical state and decide right up top who they are and who they're not without even allowing them to show us. You can't judge someone off a snapshot, you know, you can't judge a feeling off a snapshot. You can feel potential. You can feel love. And like you said, we're all human. We just have a lot of problems. Like we're all human at the core and we just have brought value to different things in our life and they've led us to different directions, but that doesn't mean we're not going to meet up at some point in life. I feel like values change all the time. And at some point, I remember like some friends from high school, we did not get along. We did not get along, but seeing their life now, we've kind of, we've met at crossroads. Like our values have aligned and they might go, they might disalign again, but right now they're aligned. And I think that's like part of the beauty of life is accepting one another as humans, like you said, and just having that love for one another, but also being able to compartmentalize different situations to save us, but also to give them potential to grow. Don't just judge them off one snapshot and say, "Mm -mm, like, you're not at my table and you never will be. I like how you said, literally close your eyes, feel the energy and you'd be surprised that that's, that's powerful. That's powerful stuff. Yeah, no, I, I, there's a lot of things that I think that I definitely get to work on, but that is something that I feel like I do a really good job at for myself and a quality that I really love at about myself. And I think that's what hurts is because that's where I get like caught up in, like, it really stinks when people are misunderstand you because really all my heart wants to do is see you for who you are, not for who you showed me. And because we show people versions of ourselves all the time that aren't true out of fear, out of, you know, like the potential for rejection out of the need to fit in. Like these are not authentic parts of ourselves, but inherently our ego goes into overdrive and is like, Hey, act this way in order to be, be appealing. And maybe that's like not appealing at all. And now people have a false notion of who you are. I think too, the biggest thing for me that holds value is have your own experience of people. Do not take on other people's experiences of people and make it your own. That is not fair. And that has been done to me. And I'm sure I've done it to people. And it is such an crazy thing that we do to each other because think of the people and the experiences we miss out on just because I heard someone had an interaction with you that you perceived as negative or distasteful. And now I've decided in my head that that person is those things. But what if, like you said, they were just having an off day and an off moment and they really are inherently such an amazing person. And I'm going to miss out on that because I used your example of who they are and made it true for me. Like I, I wish as humans, we could really drop our need to do that, to create camaraderie against a people. And instead, as a, if I'm a good friend, I would say to you, Tennessee, like, I hate that this was your experience with that person and you're allowed to do with that what you want, but just, but just know that like moving forward, I would invite you to maybe try again or to view it through a different lens and see if they can show up differently and to see if you can then shift your mindset for how you feel about this scenario and maybe turn it into something more positive. You know what I mean? And I think it's also important to like speak up for people when they're not even in the room to defend themselves. So like, if you, you would never do this, but like, if you were speaking badly about somebody to me 
and of course you're allowed to have a bad day with people, but like, I, I find that it's important for me as a friend to validate your feelings without also dumping on this person to say, yeah, girl, like that is a really crappy situation. And I get why you feel the way you do, but playing devil's advocate, could it have been a bad situation because of X, Y, and Z? And is there room in your heart for you to open up and to try again or to do it differently? I definitely have known people that have been, have told me stories about other people as though they were in the room when they literally have never even met the person or had that experience with them. And it's really wild behavior that we like thrust these opinions on each other when they weren't even ours to have. It's so it's malicious. It when people base tell even tell stories about people that they didn't even experience themselves. Regardless, I don't even think it's our place to tell a story in a situation when we don't have a full view or full understanding of what's going on. Like you said, there are a hundred other factors that probably played into this situation that maybe we should evaluate also. And maybe that's when a crucial conversation needs to be had. If this made you feel that way, I encourage you to talk to this person and resolve it to enhance your relationship and to resolve this issue from happening again in the future. I feel like that is a breaking point for many relationships right there is when they don't know how to cope with their feelings. You're having a bad day. It's natural. You confide in somebody. And then that moment right there is what can detriment an entire relationship because we're choosing to victimize ourselves in that moment. We're choosing to pity me in that moment instead of maybe reflecting on us and seeing, okay, well, what could I have at least done in this situation? What were some outside factors that played in? Could this person have just been having a bad day? Does a crucial conversation need to be had? Is this the time for the crucial conversation? Am I still in reactive mode? There's so many factors that comes into that one moment. And I feel like that one moment of deciding, am I going to victimize myself or not with this situation is a make or break for every relationship. Absolutely. Well, and I think it's okay for us instead of like dissecting everybody to their core to expose the things that we do or don't like about them. Like something that is on my mind a lot is death. And I think about death a lot, probably a, because we watch a lot of people die in our line of work. But B, also because I, I'm really curious about it and I'm curious what that means for life. And something that I really dislike that we as humans do is we celebrate people so much and we go the hardest for them once they're six feet under. Why? Why do we wait until people are fundamentally out of our line of experience to celebrate the things we loved about them? Why are we not showing up and celebrating them in that way now? Even if they don't deserve it, again, does it rob you at all? Does it rob you at all to pay a compliment to somebody that maybe was a total jerk to you yesterday? Like, really? No, it doesn't. Because that person could die tomorrow. And then I bet you anything, you'd have something nice to say. And I just, I really wish that we honored life the same way that we honor death. And to, to be clear, I'm not trying to say have no boundaries, take anything from anybody. Like, that's not what I'm saying. There's definitely times where you get to have hard, harder, like you said, crucial conversations. There's times where it's not even necessary for you to be involved with people whatsoever. And it's past having a conversation. And those are all very circumstantial. But I think just in general, it, it, it's definitely okay to look at the thing that you could celebrate about somebody and spread that instead of the thing that you dislike about them. There's like always the concept of if you want someone to improve on a certain concept, then you have to compliment other parts that they do. Let's say someone shows up to work with a shaggy beard. It's against kind of the dress code. It doesn't look professional. When they shave it, you say, oh my gosh, you look so good. Like you look so attractive. <laughs> it's complimenting where compliments are necessary. It directs them in that path of fixing maybe the area of detriment or the area that needs to be fixed. Instead of saying, you look ugly with a beard, you can say, you look so good when you're shaved. Like there's ways to do it without just addressing the elephant in the room. 100%. Well, and I, that's, that's a, trick that I've even used for myself is 
I, I'm a very, very big believer in if you want somebody to show up in a certain way, treat them that way. And they will like, it's funny that we've been discussing this because like as a nurse, um, I had a colleague that was giving me like, for lack of a better word, some attitude. And, um, the way that I got her to back down was I said, Hey, I really just wanted to talk with you because you seem open to conversation. And so it's important to me that we get clear and we get on the same page. Girl, this girl was not open to conversation. She was mean, but like I invited her to rise above. And because I said that she literally like flipped a switch and became open to conversation, call it manipulation. I don't know, but it freaking works. Like if you, if you treat somebody the way you want them to deliver, they will rise to the freaking occasion. That rings so true. It reminds me of a TikTok video that I saw the other day. I don't remember what kind of businessman he was, but he, when he took the ACT in high school, SAT, ACT, he was known as like the dumb kid, didn't go to class, failed all his classes. He took it his junior year. He scored like 99th percentile on the ACT. So his senior year, He got all A's, got accepted to an Ivy League school, very successful businessman. And 10 years later, they call him back and say, your class, class of scores got switched. You actually got like the 10th percentile. But his life was completely changed by that one score telling him, you're a genius. He he showed up. He, they told him he's a genius and he believed he was a genius. So he showed up, he got straight A's in high school, attended Ivy league school, incredibly like successful businessman, just because someone said he was smart when he wasn't. Think of how his life would have been so different if he would have believed the belief that he was literally like the dumbest piece of trash. So different. And so I think it's so valuable. It's not manipulation. It's point out attributes and people that they don't have that you want them to have and they will start to believe that in themselves and they will start to rise up to that i i don't anything that i any beliefs that i have or anything that i say i can also see how they could definitely come off as like high and mighty and like oh my gosh like i must have it all figured out no i don't actually and the reason i say all of these things is because they are things that i hope people will do for me like because i I deserve to have people offer the same like tender mercies to me that I also hope to be able to offer them. Right. And I don't get it right. A hundred percent of the time, but like, I really, really want the opportunity to get it right. And I hope people will give that to me instead of like creating a false narrative about what I am or what I'm not and leaving me in that box, you know? So that's why I'm so committed to that practice is not because I think that like, you know, like I'm the end all be all and I have it all figured out. I don't, I get to learn every day and I don't always do it right. But like, I am really committed to doing this for people because I really believe that that invites people to do it for me. And like, we just need each other for this. Like we just do life is hard enough. Like, why are we making it harder on each other? I'm not the end all be all. And I don't think I will never be the end all be all. And that's why I created this podcast was to show my emotional intelligence improvement and journey and evolution because I am committed to bettering myself and bettering my understanding of the human life and the human mind and what it can achieve. And Kelsey, I want you to know that you are a big, big piece of my life and you have provided me with so much love and support in ways that I didn't know I needed. That one conversation that we had in the snowy day at the ER, we had no patience, I think like really was a keystone to changing my life. So listeners, I hope you really enjoyed Kelsey's presence and spirit. And I hope that you are as attracted to her beauty and spirit as I am. And Kelsey, do you want to say a quick goodbye to the listeners? I do. Like, first of all, thank you for your compliment. That means a lot to me that thank you for not holding that back because back to my point, like, I think it's so easy to, to have these thoughts and feelings about people, but to keep them close to ourselves. And thank you for sharing that with me because it, it really, 
it's so lovely to hear that just by being myself, it matters to you, right? Like you've just like, like we talked about, you open your arms and invite me in and that allows me to keep showing up and to do better by you. Right. And I, and I want to, like, you are worth that for me. And I remember that conversation and I remember that day and I want to compliment you because that wasn't that long ago. And you are a hundred percent, a different girl from that day. Like really are interested in growth and emotional and mind, you know, mindset is what I'm getting at of growing all of that and becoming better. And I've been so impressed by you and you're an example to me all the time. And I think that's why I love our dynamic is we are so good at celebrating each other, but also giving each other things to think about. And there's not one of us that is here to outdo each other. Like we just want to keep growing and we want to do that together, even if it's sloppy. Right. And like, find those people, you guys. That's what I'm here to say is number one, there's always room with me in Tennessee. We will be your homies. We love a homie, but number two, be that for people. Like even if they super suck, just show up and be that because it does not rob you of anything. And it just allows you the opportunity to operate from a space of love and light instead of being this really persnickety little person that no one wants to be around. Like, don't take that on. That's not you. And at our core, we all have that and we all deserve to show up that way. So thank you so much for having me. I, as always, love talking with you. I'm so excited we got to do this. Thank you again, Kels, for everything you shared and being on this podcast. And I just want to leave our listeners with the challenge of maybe really reflect on your relationships with others and how your dynamic may impact their life and how you may improve those conversations and improve that energy exchange between each other and just really self-reflect on the power of relationships. And without the power of relationships, I wouldn't be where I am today. I know that. I, I would not be where I am today without the love and attention that I have given to my husband, I've given to Kelsey and other important people in my life. So really take the time to reflect on that. And Thank you all again for listening in this week and we'll see you on next week's episode.